0: So, for several weeks, I've been listening to that music. I'm walking in a king, super singing, one day more. I mean, it's it just, it's all over. Victor Hugo, who wrote the novel Les Miserables, lived in the early 1800s, or in the 1800s, in France and in the Channel Islands, Guernsey. He wrote the novel about a revolutionary period in the French history in the early 1800s that was characterized as a, 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 excuse me. Was, was a response to injustice that was a part of the culture that we see depicted on the screen. And it was injustices often against the poor, against women, against children, so people could be sent to prison, for example, for the most trivial things. There was widespread poverty. Les miserables means the wretched ones or the victims. And uh, these people rose up in a revolution against that kind of thinking. They went to the barricades, as you can see. And the story captures the lives of several people, but it examines the nature of law and grace. I've only seen one Broadway show in my whole life. and It was 20 years ago, and I saw that. And I'm sitting in the audience weeping as I listen to the songs that talk about the grace of God in the midst of horrific things going on. And particularly, it looks at one man, one man's life, this man you saw on the screen, Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean has been wronged. Terrible injustice has been done, and he's a bitter man. He has spent 19 years in prison, five years for stealing a loaf of bread because his sister and her children were starving. They sent him to prison for five years in the galleys, on the galley ships. He got 14 more years for trying to escape. So now he's out. And he goes back to a little town called Digne, and he's on the streets. He's had everything taken from him, and the bishop of Digne, a kindly man, takes him in overnight. When you've had every t- everything taken from you, I, uh, there's a sense, I'm sure, of wanting to take it back. I've, hold my hat, excuse me, I've had my whole life stolen, if you will, and I need some of it back. And so during the night, Jean Valjean seems like he can't help himself, and he steals the silver service of the bishop and runs off, and the gendarmes catch him and bring him back. And in the story, this is the pivotal moment. It happens early. The bishop is never heard from again in the story. He's never focused on again, except this moment early on, which is sort of the face of grace. Watch it this candlestick moment. The rest of the story rests on this moment. So, what about forgiveness? That's what happened there. Forgiveness is carried on the arms of grace, and it's way more than we deserve, way more than we expect. And I think, what about forgiveness? It's a whole constellation of other qualities. Whole family comes with it, like mercy and compassion and tenderness and gentleness and kindness. And there's all kinds of different levels of forgiveness. Some things are just little trivial things, he says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, or, or other things that are deep and wound us and we carry them for years. Ruth and I have four children. They're now adults in their 40s, but when they were small, the dinner time was always interesting. Some of you can remember on both sides of that equation. And, um, there was a great book written some time back entitled Where Two or Three Are Gathered Together, Someone Spills His Milk. <laughs> and um, Susanna, who was just here speaking at the Contrete, when she was about four years old, we were at the table, we were all gathered, and, and I, I'm looking this direction, but out of the corner of my eye, all of a sudden, I see her knock over the milk, I mean, you know, on the floor. We've cleaned up hundreds of gallons of milk over the years you know you know what I'm talking about and, and so I turned to her and asked her the parental question Susanna why did you do that like she planned it 603 I think I'll just knock the milk off you know see how that goes it's a dumb parental question don't ask that question and, I, and she looked at me and she's got big brown eyes and she said I didn't do it daddy I said Susanna I saw you do it I had glasses at the time but my peripheral vision was tremendous and I just said I saw you do it. She said, Daddy, I didn't do it. I said, Suzanne, do not tell me stories. If I hadn't seen you, this wouldn't have been a problem. But I saw and tears by this time were streaming down her face, at which point her older sister by two years, Jenny, says, I did it, Dad. I hate those moments. <laughs> so now the parent, the godlike one has to ask forgiveness of a four-year-old. How many have... No, I don't have time. But there is that moment, there's something about asking forgiveness of a four-year-old that brings it down to the nub, if you will. The idea of forgiveness, the very idea of it is so overwhelming, the metaphor, the picture that I love most of forgiveness, apart from Jesus on the cross, is the story of what we call the prodigal son. It's really the story of the gracious father. In Luke, the 15th chapter, I'll just read a few verses. You can follow along in your, um, in your Bibles or on the screen. Luke fifteen seventeen. this is a son, the youngest son of the family, who was asked for, an, asked for his inheritance out of sequence. And his father graciously gives it to him. He takes it, blows the whole thing on wine, women, and song in a far country, ends up a Jewish boy slopping hogs in a foreign land. That's, the, that's the, like the worst place you want to be if you're a Jewish kid, is slopping hogs in a foreign land. And it says that he comes to his senses. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. I love that line. He got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. There's that word. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick. Bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Maybe it's my age, but I identify with that old guy can't run quite as fast as he used to can't lift quite as much as he used to but and maybe every night he was outside the house waiting to see if his son was coming from back down the road the sun behind him maybe he saw his shape against the sun and he recognized that gait that walk that his son had and he looks closer and he starts moving toward the road and those Tired feet and those ancient legs start picking him up and laying him down. And all of a sudden, he's running in this stumbling gait and he hits his boy and he throws his arms around him and he kisses him and he says, My boy, you're alive. And the boy says, I've sinned against heaven against you. I just want to be a servant. And it's like his dad said, Stop. You already had your call. You took it. You blew it. Now it's my call. Get the ring to sew. He's got all of his authority back. Give him a robe. Give him sandals to show he's not a servant. Kill the fatted calf. We are going to party. I love that because this is what forgiveness looks like. This is what forgiveness and redemption feels like. My premise this morning is this, and it's number one in your bulletin. Not number one, but it's the first thing. When I know I am forgiven... This is my whole deal. When I know I am forgiven, I can be a forgiver. When I know, when I've experienced, really experienced forgiveness, I become a forgiver. When I have a candlestick moment, it lights my way. Forgiveness is at the core of every relationship no relationship, business, military, family, siblings parent-child, nothing works in a relationship if there's not forgiveness. I have a friend who for years taught family counseling at Akron University in Ohio. He said, this is a definition of marriage. Marriage is an ongoing series of forgivenesses. Ruth's had a lot of practice. I just like to bring that up. Forgiveness is the face of grace, the door to redemption. Number one, a forgiver redeems, a forgiver redeems. Listen to how Paul the Apostle says it in Ephesians, the first chapter, in the seventh verse. Speaking about Jesus, he says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. In him we have forgiveness of sins, redemption through forgiveness of sins because of his blood. In the Roman Empire, where Paul was a citizen, slavery was an accepted institution. Slaves were bought and sold like horses and cattle. They were chattel property. However, slaves could be set free. There's a particular word that is used in the Greek language. It's a very specific word that means to buy back for the purpose of setting free to buy back for the purpose of setting free. That's the word that's used here in Ephesians, the first chapter, seventh verse. And there have been many songs written about redemption, that word redemption, to buy back for the purpose of setting free, many songs written about redemption and grace. This week, George Beverly Shea, Billy Graham's longtime friend and singer for the Crusades, died at the age of 104. When he was 23 years old, he wrote a song that goes like this, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be held in his nail-scarred hands than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything the world affords today. It's a song of redemption, a song of being bought back. But there's one tune that's not a gospel song. It's not a hymn. It's not an anthem. It's a song that was a theme song for a film some years ago. And it's the theme song from the film Schindler's List. It's a song of literal redemption. Oskar Schindler was a flawed man. He was a playboy. He was a gambler. He was a conniver. He was everything you wouldn't want your son to be. He was an ethnic German brought up in Austria-Hungary, now the Czech Republic. And as Germany rolled over Europe, he moved in behind them. To make money he collaborated with with the German obwear, the German intelligence building factories for all kinds of things until he saw what the Germans were doing to Jews and something in him changed and he started helping he went from buying businesses to literally buying people how much for him how much for her? He did it all kinds of ways that we wouldn't agree. He bribed people. He cajoled. He, he did all kinds of things. But he literally redeemed them from death. There's a memorial tablet in his across from his birth house in Svitavi, Czech Republic. It's written in Czech and German. And it says, To the unforgettable savior of 1,200 persecuted Jews, they were redeemed. And when I forgive, and when you forgive, we redeem people. We don't just redeem situations. It's that candlestick moment. It's that moment when I buy back someone's soul, if you will. A forgiver unlocks doors, number two on your thing. Forgiver unlocks doors. Luke 6. Has this passage? It says, "Judge not, and you'll not be judged. Condemn not, and you'll not be condemned. Forgiven, you'll be forgiven. Given, will be given to you." And then it has this qualifier: "With the measure you use, it will come back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, poured into your lap." Guys like me, we tend to say that before the offering: "You know, given, it'll be given. It'll you know." But it's not about offering, really. We can use that, but that's not the ideal text. It's about relationship. What does it feel like to be judged or condemned? I ask this in small groups and people say, yucky, it feels like, you know, just weighted down. I say, what does it feel like to be forgiven? They say, well, like a bird out of a cage, like a just set free, a huge relief and release. Well if you judge and condemn a teaspoon worth, it'll come back a tablespoon on your head. If you forgive and give, you unlock somebody's doors and it comes back a tablespoon of forgiveness. You, you do a gallon bucket of forgiveness, it comes back a five-gallon bucket of forgiveness. It's a likeness, it's a seeing, it's, a, it's experiencing. And both the gracious Father and the forgiven Son get it. They have a candlestick moment. They're partying together for the very same reasons that forgiveness unlocks people's doors and lets them out you see unforgiveness when i don't forgive somebody offends me or wrongs me and i don't forgive them i and the person that offended me share adjacent cells in the same jail let me say it again that when somebody wrongs me and i choose not to forgive because it's a choice because i think it's just juicy i'm just going to give them some of this you know because they did it they hurt me. you know how it feels over time when we don't forgive the one who needs to forgive and the one who needs forgiveness share adjacent cells in the same prison when my father left my mother after twenty nine years of marriage it took me eight years to be able to hug my dad It wasn't because he was a terrible person i just couldn't get past. I didn't understand. I, could, I couldn't put that together with what he had taught me and said and all that kind of stuff and I couldn't handle it. But I was as much, he was lonely and I was in jail. My mom is buried in Fairhaven Memorial Cemetery in Santa Ana, California. A hundred feet from where she's buried there's another marker in the ground. And on it it says, Jesus is victor. It's the grave of a Dutch woman, the first licensed watchmaker ever in the country of Holland. Her name is Corrie Ten Boom. The Ten Booms hit Jews in Harlem, Holland, near Amsterdam, part of Amsterdam. And they were captured, sent to the camps, Betsy died in the camps, and Corey was freed by a clerical error from Ravensbrück concentration camp in 1945. Corey and Betsy used to have Bible studies in the camps. She would say things like, there is no pit so deep that the love of God is not deeper still. Or Jesus is victor, the thing that's on her tomb. Or she would say, you can never learn that Christ is all you need until he's all you have. But this is a story she tells about forgiveness her own. It was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947, and I'd come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth they needed most to hear in that bitter, bombed-out land, being a Hollander, I love the sea, she said, and I would say he would take your sins and put them in the deepest parts of the sea. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. There were never questions after I spoke, she said, only silence. After a talk in Germany in 1947, people stood up in silence, and silence collected their wraps, and silence left the room, and that's when I saw him working his way forward against others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, the next a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush, the huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you are. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out, a fine message, Fräulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are in the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course, but I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Robins Brook in your talk. He was saying, I was a guard there, but since that time... I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. Again the hand came out. Will you forgive me? I could not have been many seconds that he stood there with a hand out, but to me it seemed hours as I recognized Reck- wrestled with this most difficult decision for I had to do it I knew that the message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us if you don't forgive men their trespasses you won't be forgiven I knew it not only as a commandment of God but as a daily experience since the end of the war I had had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives no matter what the physical scars those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids it was as simple and as horrible as that. Woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me, and as I did, an incredible thing happened. A current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joint hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, being bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart, For a long moment we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. A candlestick moment. A forgiver, point three, looks like Jesus. You say, how sweet, very cool, that's good, looked like Jesus. No, 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 really. Think of Jesus on the cross in the moment of his greatest pain, skewered like some moth in a display case to a Roman gibbet. And in the midst of that pain, this is what he says. Father, forgive both because he doesn't understand. If he knew what his sin did, he wouldn't do... He gives me the benefit of the doubt. Forgive them because they don't understand. It's like... I. I take him because I can't stand his rightness, and I say, There, take that. And I throw him on the cross, and he says, Fine, that's the way I'll love you. And he takes the thing that I do to him, and he redeems me with it. He buys me back. Candlestick moment. But it's out of my pain. I don't want to forgive you because you hurt me, and I want to get you back. But the problem is now we're both in jail. But I say, how many times do I have to do that? And when Jesus was asked that, he said, well, how about 70 times 7, like 490? Well, I've never forgiven somebody like 490, maybe 5. What, what is it about this? Well, it's not just an act of the will, as Corey ten Boom says. It's an act of the will, again, and again, because it takes so long sometimes for the feelings to catch up. I can do this in my head, but the feelings that are so deep and, they, and when I see this or I hear this and it triggers everything. So you say, but how much do I, do I have to keep forgiving? Well, let me ask you this. When, when would you like Jesus to stop forgiving you? That's the question I ask me. Both, when, when would you like him to stop forgiving? Then we'll just call it fair and see how it goes. I don't think so. See, my problem is that some of my stuff that I do, I didn't intend it. It just hurt the person. That just hurt him. You know, it was just, and, and so I, I sort of have this conversation with God, and and it's you know, God, I know you forgive sin, but do you, um, do you forgive stupid? <laughs> How many get that? No, no, I don't want I don't have time for that either. Sometimes I just have the spirit of dumbness on me. I just, you know, I just do this, whatever it is, and I don't. Or this, you know, the the greatest difficulty, the person I have the most difficulty with with regard to forgiveness is me. I can't forgive me. Let me just frame it for you. The creator of all the universe, the holiest person, the one who is absolutely holy says, when you stand in my son, Jesus, when you step over here into him, when I look at you I see him as far as all the junk in your life all the stuff you've done all the pain you've caused, we're good we're square we're good with that and then he says now when I forgive you and I'm perfect and you choose not to let me suggest to you what that is that's what I call arrogance and I say God help me not to be arrogant Help me not to be so prideful that when you, the holy God, forgives me that I choose to hang on and still make my life fouled up. Don't let me do that. You look like Jesus because Jesus gave the disciples a commission in John 20, verses 19 through 23. And I'll read from 21 on. Jesus shows up after the resurrection, he shows up in this room. They've locked themselves in. They're scared of what could happen. And he just materializes, you know, like beam me down, Scotty, or something. And, you know, they're freaked. And, and I, I would be freaked. And he says, good thing. He says, peace be on you. Peace be to you. And then he says, I'm sending you as the Father has sent me in the same way I'm going to send you. And with that, he, re, he, re, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, They're not forgiven. And I'm saying, wait, 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 time out. What's that about? I thought God was the one who forgave sins. Well, yeah, forever. But there's this stuff when people do things against us, it's a sinning against us. Like, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. And that part you can forgive. That's the piece. So John at work... He he intentionally hurts you because he wants your job or he's elbing you out of the way or he just wants to take a shot. What would happen if you went to him and said, John, I know you did that. And I know you did it on purpose, but I just want you to know I forgive you. Well, if he doesn't have a heart attack, he, he says, say that again. You say, well, John, I know you did that, but I forgive you. And he says, Where did you learn that? And he says, You say, Well, my dad taught me. Would you like to meet him? Because when you, when you go in the power of the Spirit with forgiveness as your message, it's a window on the kingdom of God. If you forgive anyone his sins, their sins are forgiven. But if you choose not to, if you choose not, there's no window on the kingdom of God for this person to see. So here you are, you Redeemer you. Here you are, you you unlocker of doors here you are the one that looks like Jesus because you have his heart and his message and it's a candlestick moment it is light and hope and redemption there's one thing better than being forgiven you say what could that possibly be being a forgiver raw power you want to be powerful? be a forgiver it's raw power for good it's light it's reconciliation it's who God is you were trying to take your life back but you missed something you forgot to take these it will make you an honest person and you can show the world the kingdom of God. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? Just in this quiet moment with no one looking, the Lord's looking and Foth is looking. Just as I look across this huge crowd There may be some sitting here today saying, I have never in my life asked God's forgiveness for everything. I've asked him to help me. I've sort of pulled the button or pushed the button when I needed something. But I've never asked him to forgive me for everything. And I'd like to do that today. I'd like to start that journey with Jesus. I'd like to step into him, as you said, Dick. There's no one looking starting on my right and your far left. I'm just going to look, and if you want me to include you in a prayer this morning, because you want to do that, you just slip up your hand and let me see you put it right back down. Yes, I see you. and You can put it down. Yes. I see you. Coming across toward the center. Yep. I see you. Yep. Yep. Yes. Coming across past the center aisle. Yes, sir. Yes. I see you. On my left and your right, I see you, ma'am. Far left, I see you in the back you back there. Got you. On my far left. Yes, I see you. Yes, I see you. There are some of us here this morning, we're believers. We've been following Jesus, but we have allowed something, an injustice, a hurt to take root. And it's like a piece of edged walnut shell in our gut or like the dull ache of a tooth that's infected and we know we should let it go we just haven't been able to but this morning we want to let it go we want to make the call we want to write the letter we want to in our own hearts say I forgive that person for that thing and you just slip up your hand and say include me in the prayer too a believer, but just include me because I got that peace. Yep. Yes. 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 All across the sanctuary. Yes. Got you. Got it. Got it. Father, here we are. We are broken people, but we stand whole in Jesus. There's nothing that we can do that makes points or gets us into heaven, but it's only what your son did. Thank you for sending Jesus to buy us back. Thank you for sending him to make us whole. And for these who have never asked God to forgive all their junk, in this moment, help them to just offer their lives to you. To to just say this, under their breath even, "Lord, Lord God, I give you my life. Take all of my sin, all of my pain from my past. Take all of that and give me your life. I believe you for it. And for these dear friends who said, I'm a believer, but I've had this piece of bitterness in me. It's just eaten me up. Thank you that you came to break the bands of sin and unforgiveness. And you said that if we ask, you are ready and willing to do that. And so thank you for helping us, giving us the power of your spirit to let those things go. Show us. What to do as a next step, we pray, whether it's a phone call or a letter or just letting you know. In Jesus' name, we pray. And all of his people said, amen. Amen. What a joy to be able to talk about redemption and forgiveness. I have the best opportunity in the world right here. I'm sorry you're not up here doing this. That's not in my notes. I just thought I'd say that. We're going to worship the Lord by our giving. Those of you who are guests, that white card that you asked if it was legible of your neighbor, that one, just put that in the the offering bucket because these are like theater buckets coming by. And please don't put money in there. That's for those of us for whom this is our home. This is family, and we support the work and the ministries here. So just worship with the band as the buckets go by. God bless you. raised your hand and said I've never done the total forgiveness thing but I want to start today do I have something for you this is a starter packet if you will this is like an instructional manual just to get going and these are over on the side on the staircases beside the platform and also at guest services please pick one up take it with you if you have questions you can call here to the church office they'll direct you for help our prayer team is coming this morning These are friends who uh, love to pray, love to talk to the Father with you over needs. If you have some particular need this morning and would like to come, please feel free. We'll be down here in the front. And so the benediction. Here you are, you redeemers, you candlestick people. Here you are, you unlockers of doors, you lookers like Jesus, candlestick people, a moment of light, a moment of revelation, a moment of cleansing, symbolized by this. As you go this week into these counties and into these towns, may your lives be like this, that how we treat people How we respond to them is an expression of his grace. And it becomes a candlestick moment. So go in his grace. The service begins now. God bless you.